Here at the Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast, we wanted to share with you that we use Anchor by Spotify because we find it to be the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Exactly. With Anchor, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute your podcast with the click of a button to platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and my favorite, Overcast. It's also helpful that Anchor is the only place that you can directly post video podcasts to Spotify. And it's completely free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. It's basketball time to kill. Love picks up Curry. Kyrie Irving from downtown. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. The 52 year is over. The Cavaliers have won the NBA championship. Cleveland, this is for you. Sexton works on Irving. Hey. The shoot around. Welcome back. The NBA draft is in the books, and man, is there a lot to unpack. The Cavs drafted four players in total, but their first pick was at number 14. Ochai Abaji. What did you think of the draft? Well, it didn't disappoint, that's for sure. Maybe one of the most unpredictable drafts in recent memory. The Cavs were definitely a team that was linked to many different players and many different types of players. We are hopeful that Ochai Abaji works out. There was a lot of chatter that there could be some big trades, but ultimately nothing happened. So thoughts? I feel like the NBA draft does this a lot. The media tends to get all excited. There were a bunch of reports coming out that DeJounte Murray was going to be made available during the draft, which obviously that didn't happen. There's all the stuff in Brooklyn with the Nets just burning down with Durant and Kyrie. I feel like the NBA media tends to look at draft night as a chance for all the craziness to happen just so they feel like they're on top of stuff. What do you think? Much of the time, this is just a window into, or even not even a window, but an extension of what we saw was bubbling up at the surface of a lot of these teams at the end of the season. Some of it is, I think, manufactured by different sports agencies that know that these are the leads. And so they're going to poke at them, see what they can get. And then I think sometimes it's the teams floating around what they're hoping is possible because they, they're they ready to dump these players. There's no doubt in my mind Kyrie is going to be moved. I think there's going to be some big changes. It's just it didn't come before the draft, and it typically doesn't. It's usually just the canary in the coal mine. Now that the 2022 NBA draft is in the books, what grade do you give their first round pick? And why? Abaji is a really interesting player because he's a four-year player. He's 22. He's coming out of a program where they just won a national championship at Kansas. There's a lot of upside to him, but there are also some signs that kind of point the other direction where they could be some weaknesses because of his age 
and the fact that he wasn't a high caliber athlete or high caliber basketball player going into Kansas. With all of that being said, I would probably give this pick a B, mainly because the team needed a player like Abaji. It was the 14th pick overall, which is the end of the lottery. It's the very last choice in the lottery. And they needed a player who could shoot. When you look at all of these draft videos, which I've done basically all day today, and you compare him to a lot of other players who are going to fall in the same area, what really stands out is that Abaji is a shooter. That is the type of player that the Cavaliers need. They really struggled offensively at times with getting the ball in the basket because they couldn't either figure out what the defense was doing or their players on offense would struggle to get open. And because Darius was the primary ball handler, the offense would just go stagnant. So when I look at this draft and I look at where everybody else fell and what the Cavs needed as far as improving their team for next season, Abaji is a really solid choice. And that's why I would give the pick a B because of the fact that he fulfills so many needs offensively, and he has some solid defensive upside as well. Do you think you would also give the pick a B, or are you kind of feeling a different way? Based on the needs of the team at this time, and really what we've needed for the last two seasons, looking at the options based on what our salary cap is and what players we're hoping to keep and also bring back, like a Rubio, for example, as far as a bring back, that keeping the 14th pick seemed like it probably didn't need to happen. Where they're at right now, it made more sense to package something and move a couple of players and find that wing, find that piece that we've been looking for. Maybe that was the right choice. But this team, the Cavaliers, as constructed through Altman is the first time in the 20 plus years I've been following them that I believe in what they are doing through the draft every year. And because of that, I'm no longer going, oh, come on, you, you can't get anything good anyway. Move these pieces and pick up a player you know is already NBA ready and get yourself back into the playoffs. In this case, long way around to grading him here, I would give it an A, a solid A, because I think number one, I'm kind of shocked that he fell to 14. I think he's a solid top 10 player. Anytime you can get that kind of value, I'm already excited. I already think that elevates what the grade should be. Just like Akuro, he's coming in more NBA ready than most. Now, in this case, he actually is more NBA ready than Akuro. Because when we say NBA ready, at least for me, defense is the first thing I care about. Oftentimes, they don't have enough time in college or the program doesn't really care about it as much. And so they come into the NBA pretty green. And it takes them several seasons to figure it out. I'm excited that this guy on both sides of the ball is ready to play. And the very brief presser I saw of Altman talking about why this guy was chosen is that they want him running up and down the court and playing off ball and being one of those snipers that people have to worry about all the time. He's that wing that they've been looking for, but he's yet another youthful piece they play their cards right. You're talking about a team that could easily be the Warriors of the East in the next few years, contending year after year after year because of their consistency in play and youth. So I think this is a solid A because of our needs being met. And if he's everything they're saying he could be, what a great pickup. I mean, yet again, 
another terrific draft for Altman. So I'm sure you'll you'll speak on a few of those points. I didn't really touch on well, another thing that I love about this guy is what you read about his college career. Redshirted his freshman year and just consistently made the coaches have to look at him and go, we got to do more with this kid. He was not supposed to be here. And I think that's why we lucked out at getting him at 14. This team, this organization has talked a lot about how they want a certain type of player who works hard, but also embraces Cleveland. And there have been press reports that have come out about how when Abaji came in for his workout, his individual workout for the draft process, he said that he felt like he was at home when he got to the Cleveland facility. I think that really bodes well for his success with the team. You also got into some of his style of play. I talked about how he's a catch-and-shoot player, and you talked about his defense as well. What does that make? That makes possibly the purest 3-and-D player the Cavs have had. Maybe, I don't even count LeBron in that, because LeBron is, he's a savant to basketball. But I would maybe argue they've had other wings. What? I'm I'm waiting for you to say it. I'm very curious who you're gonna say. No, I'm I I really can't think of anybody. He's one of your favorite players ever when he gets to play on our team. Richard Jefferson. I think in some ways Jefferson didn't come in the same offensive power that he did earlier in his career, but he's definitely a two-way player that I would consider other than LeBron. I think Jefferson was more of a small, a pure small forward. It seems like Abaji could play that a little bit because his reach is 6'10". It's bigger than Okoro's, and he's already similar to Okoro. He has an NBA body. He's older than Okoro, so I hope that he has more of a man's body. And that's something, too. At draft night, I kept hearing a lot of analysts saying, well, this clearly means that they'll move Sexton. I think that we think about him now as a sixth man that could move back to a point guard type position. And therefore, the shooting guard isn't in conversation right now. So you've got a Kuro and this guy. You know, if anything, it might make Levert movable. I think the heat is on Okoro in the sense of producing more offensively. If Abaji can hold up defensively in any capacity, not be as dominant as Okoro usually is, but can be solid defensively, but have a more of a scoring output, I think that that puts Okoro on the hot seat. But again, Okoro is younger. This will be his third season with the team. And last year he improved his shooting. And so he's already ahead of Abaji, I would say, in respect to understanding how the team works. He's an extremely good cutter, and he can play off ball really, really well, which means that you already have Darius Garland, who is a premier passer in the NBA. You have Evan Mobley, who is a really good passer. Allen is a solid passer, especially for a center. And Sexton, if we sign him, can also pass fairly well. So Abaji doesn't need to handle the ball. He doesn't need to know all the ins and outs of every offensive set. But if he's able to get in the ebb and flow of the offense a little bit better, I think that that will bode well for his scoring production. Because I think that that's one thing that the rest of the bench kind of struggles with is the only other really catch and shoot type of player that I can think of on the team right now is Jetty. And you live and die by Jetty. 
He is a player that is an inconsistent shooter, and defensively, he's a liability a lot of times. So I kind of think Abaji has a little bit of room in there to get in that rotation to put the pressure on those players to have better scoring outputs and to hold up better defensively. That's what I... You might be swaying me closer to an A now because he fits so many needs for this team as opposed to what we had talked about in our previous draft of them swinging on a guy who is all about potential. They're really trying to find a guy who can plug and play. The Cavaliers ended up drafting four players. It seemed like they were stockpiling picks to make a trade, but they ended up using them all instead. Did you like their choice? I was certain that they were going to move those picks, especially when they picked up the 49th pick. It just seemed like they were about to do something big. And we know that we have a little bit of redundancy here and there on the roster. Don't really know yet how that's going to play out. So anybody could have really been moved. There's a couple of players, obviously, we've talked about that are untouchable. But I really expected that Sexton could be moved, Jetty, Love even. I wasn't sure what they were going to do. There was some rumor that they were going to try to move up. But um, I think it's interesting that at the end of the day, they picked two out of the four that we talked about wanting or that we hoped that they would go after. And even though there's some rumor that Isaiah Mobley may not make the team, the 15, you know, you don't trade away assets to pick up a pick and then go, oh, but we're not going to we're not going to keep them. We just wanted to provide the door into the NBA for you. Nah, they're not going to do that. So if anything, if he doesn't make the team outright, I'm sure they'll move him down into the G Leagues. So, you know, the second round's never, or these picks towards the end are never all that exciting. Sometimes you find one or two gems, or people really make careers of themselves as people that come off the bench. And that kind of just goes to show the level of talent that stays in the NBA, the consistency, the longevity of the career compared to something like the NFL. And the fact that it's really hard, if you're not in the top 10, 15, we're probably never going to really know your name. I don't know about what these guys will do for us or any other team in the league, but I'm excited that they made it. And I think that when you're looking at them on paper and you're seeing all of their pros and cons, it would be cool to see them wear the wine and gold. I'm hoping that Isaiah Mobley will eventually get there because I think especially when you draft the brother of somebody really important on your team, you probably don't want to make him mad. So I imagine they're going to do some nice things for Isaiah, whether you want to agree with that or not. And then as far as Halif Jop, and Luke Travers, who knows? Anytime somebody is picked up by this team and they're going to stay overseas, we never see them. They never come here. Often we move them as some type of packaged trade. There's always a player like that we have somewhere playing in the world. And so it's an important piece for the building of a team, but it's nothing as a fan that I'm going to care about because I don't follow those other teams that are out there. And then as far as Luke Travers, it's kind of interesting. Anytime you see an Australian guy that cracks into the league, you got to think about Delhi and, uh, be interesting if you could get out on the court and we'd have another Aussie out there. Um, he's 6'8 with a 6'10 wingspan, so bigger than Delhi. That, <laughs> but uh, who knows? Maybe he's really slow. I, I don't know that much about him, but um, not that much to say in, in this part because uh, you know I don't follow college sports enough to know these guys. We did a little bit of research on certain players that we liked, and if you listen to our draft pre show type uh, episode, I wanted Isaiah Mobley. So I'm very happy we got exactly who I wanted, and now hopefully he'll crack the roster.
Yeah, I was hopeful as well that they were going to be able to trade further up into either the late first round or early second. I'm happy with these selections overall, even though, you know, you wish that you get a, a more known talent. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in the sense of, you know, Jop seems like a interesting center. He's known for his athleticism. He's from Senegal, but he's going to stay overseas for a while. And then the other guy that might stay overseas for a bit, Luke Travers, Australian, seems to be a pretty solid shooter from three for sure. Apparently he has a beautiful blonde mullet. So that will fit right in with Cleveland, maybe. I don't know. And we're not hiding here. The Isaiah Mobley pick was really important to us. The fact that we predicted half the draft with Ochai and getting Isaiah is just kind of funny to me because we watch so little college basketball. And in exploring Isaiah even a little bit more just on YouTube with some of his highlights, he has a lot of versatility. He has a lot of instincts that are similar to Evan. He just isn't as freakish an athlete as Evan is. Evan is an elite seven foot, maybe seven one center slash power forward who moves like a guard. So Isaiah doesn't really move in that way, but he moves pretty well for a power forward slash center. And his passing is really high up there. And his decision making is also really high up there as well. And the other thing I like about him is that he shoots from the outside really well. That's possibly the one part of his game that is further along than Evan is he'll do that move that Kevin Love really likes to do. He did it a lot this past season where he would trail the point guard and hit the three at the top of the the arc. Isaiah does the same thing often. So I'm a little hopeful that Isaiah can learn a little bit from Love during the offseason and training camp, and he might be Love's eventual replacement. You know, Love's going into his last year. They need a more physical type of player than what they have right now in the power forward because we've talked about how Lowry is a solid player, but he really does get body too much when he moves into power forward that's what I'm kind of hopeful for is maybe it's a steal in the sense of he's just the power forward that comes off the bench and spells his brother and sometimes they play together sometimes they don't but Isaiah has some game to him that I think could be helpful for the Cavs you're absolutely right I mentioned it before but uh, you're absolutely right the we don't really watch a lot or know that much about college basketball and so it is funny that we would choose two out of the four when we cover the draft. I would say on the one hand, we're fortunate that we do a lot of research. We look at what's out there. And there were, you know, a handful of players that were suggested. And we kind of picked from a pool of players. Ultimately, I think it speaks more to us knowing the Cavaliers and their needs. Understanding this organization and what they would want to round out the team and make their way into the playoffs finally. And Altman even said that in the presser saying, you know, we were one game away and we really felt like if we had a guy that could come off screens and move without the ball and be that sniper that we would have made it. So this is that piece that JB was hoping for. And they're really excited to use Abaji. I think that 
the fact that they got Isaiah and knowing what Evan is going to mean to this team, this organization, probably for his entire career, if he's the player we think he's going to be, then he's going to be on this team for at least four or five seasons. It's going to be kind of like what the organization of the Bucks decided to do when they drafted Antetokounmpo's brother as well. There's nothing like having family there with you. And we've talked many times that Evan and his brother come from that kind of basketball pedigree. They grew up playing together. They played on the same team together in college. It's going to be great for Evan to be able to see his brother there throughout the season and be a part of the organization. So good on them for recognizing that there's nothing thicker than blood. And it's going to be a benefit to this guy that is probably going to be a Hall of Famer for us if we play our cards right. The final seconds. What are some nicknames for the new Mobley, Allen? Mobley lineup. So if the Mobley brothers get to play together, there's definitely a brother's angle that I feel like you kind of have to use for a nickname. I did see on Twitter somebody tweeted the Broblies, which I think is a pretty solid nickname because it plays on Frobly a little bit with Alan and Mobley. So I don't know if you go the Frobloblies. <laughs> I can't even say it. The Frobleys. Can you do the Froblies? That would be mine right now. Or something along the lines of the Three Towers. What do you got? Well, I was calling them the Smash Brothers or the Bash Brothers when it was just Mobley and Allen because I was thinking about the blocks, really, that they were both capable of doing. I'm not sure that Isaiah is really known for blocking. I know he's absolutely known for his rebounding and... Um, He's very good about his positions on the court. I think he's probably going to be very basketball knowledgeable the way that his brother is. So maybe he'll have a chance to get his blocks up as well, and that could be applicable. But um, I'm going to probably have to ponder this one for longer to get something actually that I would like. Really, I think that it's hard to come up with a nickname when it's Mobley Allen Mobley because I almost don't envision that they'll play much together. But I do see that there'll be opportunities to have both Mobley brothers out there at the same time. And, you know, then I think it's really just a, the Mobley brothers, you know, what, what nickname will they have together where Allen may, may not be included in that. With this new infusion of talent, what seed do you think the team will finish in the East next year? I'm very optimistic that we are going to finish in the top five. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I just can't call it, and I don't want to jinx us either way. You know I'm always thinking that we could be number one, <laughs> even when there's no chance. No, I'm just kidding. Most of the time, though, I am optimistic that the team's going to figure something out, and we're going to make our way into the playoffs. The last two seasons have been quite disappointing. A lot of people around work and other places that I've been predicting more uh, positive outcomes have been looking at me a little sideways. Like, okay, but you said last year they'd make the playoffs. And the year before that, it's like, no, no, no. The year before that, I said they would have if they weren't injured so much. And then this year was the same. <laughs> we just, we proved it to the rest of the country. So I'm going to say in the top five for sure. And I think that if we really come out the gate, strong and we pace ourselves and we have great luck with injury we could flirt with one we could we really could because the east i think just like the west yes there are some great teams there and there's a lot of up up and coming talent on both sides but we are actually in that conversation there's no reason not to include us with the amount of talent and what we've been building on this team so we should take ourselves very seriously so i'm gonna say top five what do you think i would go with top five i was leaning 
probably closer to top six where they my expectation is that they should feel more comfortable have a more comfortable lead to not fall into the play-in tournament so i would say top six for sure is my expectation but their games above that seven and eight seed are much more respectable than what maybe I had thought. Maybe they're up by five to eight games as opposed to just squeaking into that top six. What type of player do you think they should target in free agency? I think they have to go after a backup point guard. There are a lot of rumors that Ricky Rubio wants to come back to the team, but as you and I have noted, and I believe all of Cavs Twitter has noted multiple times he's still recovering from an ACL injury. They need a backup ball handler. So that would be my guess is that they use some cash and bring in a backup point guard who can really contribute to this rotation. I think I probably would have picked that if I had gone first. So I'll choose something different just because I think it is applicable. I think probably a center. We still have a couple of interesting pieces and obviously with Isaiah being picked up he could play center some but he's 6'10 and I'm curious if we could get another seven footer or somebody a little taller than that that could come in and maybe be a better backup to Allen official backup to Allen but I really could be hard sold into not doing any of what I just said because I'm really so pleased at the moves that we've made and the roster as is and I know they want to bring Rubio back and they want to possibly resign Sexton and I'm just kind of waiting for that. I'm not sure what to think about who they should target until they finalize who they're going to keep and what they're doing about what they have. What grade would you give the team for this draft? I would say a solid A as well. The same thing that I gave for Abaji. I think that they know what they need to fill out the roster with what was available in the draft, and they chose very wisely. Again, the way we highlighted each pick and what that would provide, we didn't say much about what Luke Travers could do. He is a wing. He is 6'8". 610 wingspan, but we didn't really highlight any means of why he would make an impact or that we need him. We really have the wing that we were looking for from the first round pick. So everything else is pie in the sky because of how they chose their first three picks and what they need to round out the team in general. And given that, I would just say for the second or third year in a row, it's an absolute A. They did a wonderful job scouting and then going after the players that would suit their needs the best. So what did you think? I'd probably give them a B plus only because they might have been able to get a couple of guys later who had a little more talent. But I know when I was watching the draft coverage, something that was brought up a lot, this was a deeper draft, but it was also based off of where those players would fall dependent on need for the teams, which is like every draft. But especially this season, a lot of analysts, I feel like, were highlighting that a lot of these players are really skillful and they can contribute but it depends on the situation they get into so you're not going to find as many guys who are going to be able to move heaven and earth and it doesn't matter who their coach is or who their supporting cast is where a lot of these players will probably hit if they're given the right role so that's where i would give them a, a b plus is maybe they could have found another maybe they could have found a back a point guard in the later rounds but that just didn't happen it's not that i'm disappointed in that it's just how it worked out i am 
confident in Kobe Altman and this front office and how they talk and discuss things with JB. And I'm really happy with how the team develops talent in general. And this is a really young, good team that I think they added at least three more players who can push these other players on the bench and maybe fight for some minutes. Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast. Let's go Cavs!